Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a weekly interview show that is all about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 68 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This week, I am back with another interview with Betts White. Betts was the star of Craft Sanity episode 24, and she had contacted me not long before we taped that show to see if I was interested in talking to her about some of her felted designs. Most of you have seen it by now. The cupcake pincushion, the pincushion that made her famous. A lot has happened since she first designed that pincushion. She's been on the Martha Stewart show, and she has her first book out. She's finishing up writing her second book. So I think this is going to be a really intriguing show for those of you who are really hoping that this is your life two years from now, that maybe you're working on a book or have some ideas or you have a product that you want to get out there. Betts is really good at finding opportunities that she can use to promote what she's doing. You guys should take a play from her book because she's been pretty successful with that. And I'm not going to do a long introduction about Betts because, well, I think most of you know who she is by now. And if you don't, I invite you to go back, maybe hit pause on this episode, go back and listen to episode 24. So anyway, without further ado, let's hear from Betts. I'm going to hold myself back, but I really want to talk about your Martha um, connections yeah. <laughs> here. But I'm going to hold myself back. We'll All get right, to that. Um, okay, so you're, where are you living now? Have you moved or are you I, still? Yes, we moved from uh, Verona, Wisconsin to uh, North Potomac, Maryland, and we moved um, just this past August. So still settling in, but it's a, it's a new place now, so back on the East Coast. And that's that's going well. I think when we spoke before, my husband was consulting, and since then he's gotten a you know actual job. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but um, but he's employed by someone other than himself now. So okay, um, that's a little different for us. So that's what led you to your new location. Exactly, exactly. And I'm just I just feel so fortunate now that my my job finally has become somewhat portable you know, that I can I can pretty much be anywhere because that was sort of, you know, ever since we met, we've been trying to find jobs in the same city. And, you know, if you're like a nurse and an accountant, you know, you can pretty much, you know, live anywhere you want, hopefully, and uh, find some sort of employment. But when you're both designers or have some a little bit more specialized career, it's really hard, I think, now to find something that's going to be good for both of you in the same place. So, you know, now that I've gone out on my own, it's definitely been a lot better and you know this area it's a lot more populated there's just a whole bigger cultural pool of activity mm-hmm. <laughs> here so um you know there's a lot to offer and so i felt like for both of us really it can only be a good thing so you have been just really going like gangbusters here with your craftiness and your your design work just with your own Bats white brand just making a name for yourself and i think that's the part that's going to be really interesting for listeners because if they tuned in way back in july of 2006 and they heard from you for the first time what i'm hoping that you can you can do today is pick up where you left off i just listened to the episode that we taped back in july of 2006 i think it was episode 24 and i kind of recommend that people go definitely go back uh, if they haven't listened to it yet go check that one out because it'll really enhance the experience of listening to this episode for sure yes you during that interview had explained your background in fashion design and doing the, the freelance work that you were doing and really working a lot with apparel design and then you were at this at that same time kind of also starting your butts white brand of artwork that was kind of just your own brand of you know, whimsical designs but you wanted things to be practical and it was very crafty but it, you also had some artistic flair going and you're still and you've really been able to capitalize on that and um, what was really been impressive to me is that it, it, within about a year and a half um, to two years you've gone from you know just kind of starting out with the blog and you know, selling your work at a couple shows, um, and then now, I mean, you're you're on Martha's show, and your work has been in several publications. And I think the big question everyone's probably wondering is, geez, how how did Bets pull this off? I mean, this is pretty impressive. So, how'd you do it? How did you how did you, how did you um, get your your work out there? 
Well, yeah, it's been uh, just a major whirlwind, and, um, you know, it is it is kind of baffling, actually. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, everything just sort of snowballs, and, um, you know, you just got to, like, keep at it, and I kind of say yes to everything, which is actually sort of becoming a problem. <laughs> but um, initially, I think it's a really good thing to just, you know, if, if it gets you out there to try it, you know. Right. Like, uh, for example, I think, you know, um, when you and I had spoken, I had, you know, done an art fair, and that was successful. And I think I had just started my Etsy shop. Yeah, um, you had an Etsy shop at that point. And yeah. I'm not sure if I actually had my blog then. I think maybe I had just, I, yeah, I, I did. I had just started the blog. Yeah. And um, I had the website kind of at the same time, like the end of December, um, end of 2005, um, had just like a homepage. And, you know, somewhere that you would go, you know, if you had picked up my business card at the art fair, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, then, then the Etsy shop and the, and the blog came after that. And so I had sort of those three things. And I'd say the main way that it worked for me, and, you know, of course it works so different for everyone, but the few things that I did was I had submitted some of my work to Cut and Paste, which is an online shop that takes things on consignment. So it was like, you know, a visible online retailer mm-hmm. um, aside from my Etsy shop. Because Etsy's really great if you have some means of bringing people there. Right. But as a pool to someone, you know, for someone to go to to search, you may or may not get found, you know. Right. But if someone already knows about you, it's an excellent way to, you know, to sell your work. Um, so I was on cut and, you know, in cut and paste, and I think that drew a lot of traffic to, you know, my website and my blog. And um, I'm trying to think of what was the other kind of visible thing. Oh, I know what I did. Whipups.net. Mm-hmm. I know you've interviewed. Catherine. Um, yeah. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of people go there, and I think all kinds of people go there. Like, I'm thinking that actually the producer from Martha might have seen me there. I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but there was sort of like a introduce yourself and what you do kind of thing once, and I think they sort of do it periodically, and so I had just, you know, posted, I don't know, one of my pin cushions and said a little blurb about myself and, you know, along with everybody else who did it, and, you know, you might think, oh, I'm just going to get lost in that, but it, I think if you... You know, if you do that, and I did, um, there's something called the pincushion challenge. So there was all these little, like, feelers that I shot out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did, I contacted you to do the, to do the podcast. You did, um, you did. Because I had seen, actually, I think I saw, I think I had heard of you through Whip Up. And so I, you know, you said you were going to do, like, eco-crafters or something. I think it was really me sort of seeking out, you know, some visibility. So, um, oh, I know another thing I did was there's, uh, a website called Style Bakery, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, there was some like designer. Um, it was like Designers on the Rise, and there was sort of the Reader's Choice Award in these different categories. And so um, I decided, um, like the one that I fit in best would be like gift designer because mm-hmm. I wasn't apparel really, or you know. So um, I just emailed like absolutely everyone I knew and, and asked them to vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then my husband did the same, you know. And so, like, I won the, you know, emerging designer of spring, I don't know, 2006 or something like that. So, you know, for whatever that's worth, I could put the little badge on my, on the little PR page on my website. Right, you I know? actually saw it there today, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and so, you know, all those, all those little things add up because then, you know, somebody sees that and then, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, so everything was, you know, relatively, you know, small-scale little efforts, and it wasn't like this giant master plan. It was just, you know, I want to get myself out there, and, and I still actually hate to admit this, but I don't really have a giant master plan. <laughs> I'm just sort of like going along and seeing where things take me. But um, That's actually a relief to hear that because I think a lot of people who are in the position you were two years ago, you know, where you're just kind of beginning to develop this Vets White name and what, you know, what this whole brand means and, and all that. And um, I think it's probably a comfort to many people to hear that you didn't have like this big binder 
Step one. Okay, this is what I do. Because then the people without those binders aren't freaking out at home thinking, oh, my gosh, she has a binder. Like, she has a plan, you know. She's developed it yeah. over the course of four years, you know. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's really – and really, it's hard to predict these things. Like, you know, because you might put the feelers out there, and some people might say, you know what, we're not interested in your work, or you might not get the award you're trying to go for on the Internet. So <laughs> did you have doors that closed? Well, um, there was – and I talked about this on my blog, so I don't feel, you know, weird about saying this, but um, I don't know if you've heard of um, Fred Flair, the yes. Fred Flair website. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they have something every spring, I think, it, I think they start in March. Um, so it's coming up, everybody. It's called The Next Big Thing, and they sort of highlight a dozen or so kind of indie designers that come up with what they're calling The Next Big Thing. And so... They have criteria on their website, and they say, you know, it's got to be something that's for our customer. And so, you know, I've been in the design industry, you know, marketing to people for forever. So I'm like, oh, I can totally, you know, key into their, their demographic and their price point and all this stuff. So two years in a row now, I've sent them something and I haven't, I haven't gotten it. And it's, it's one of those things like, well, come on, you know, <laughs> why not? <clears throat> and, and it's like, you know what, it's all right. It's okay that that one didn't work out because, you know, there's, there's other things. So right, right. Um, while it may be uh, a relief that I don't have a big binder and a big plan, I wouldn't necessarily recommend not having a plan because <laughs> I know for, you know, a, a real business, it's important to have sort of, like a mission and you know the decisions that you make day to day that like helps guide you if you have right. sort of a mission statement or whatever does this make sense for me and I think you know having that whether it's like a feeling in your gut or something you cross-stitched <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of good probably to have some sort of some sort of vision but one thing that I did say to you you know, back then was that I felt like I had a book in me and that I wanted to do a book. And congratulations to you because you know, I, I have to say I smiled when I listened to that again tonight and then I, I had to laugh when I said, oh, yeah, I think, you know, because I'm on, the, you know, this initial pod, you know, the first podcast, I'm like, oh, I think you're going to totally do that and all this. And I was kind of laughing so I was like, hey, I totally called that, you know. But but then I'm thinking, you know, do I say to anybody when they say they want to write a book, do I ever say, oh, you know, I don't think, I don't really see that for you. <laughs> I am so happy for you. I think that's it's wonderful because you said you want to do it. A lot of us are out here blowing smoke saying we want to write books. And, you know, I personally, I know I haven't done it yet. You were able to not only write a book, but you did it pretty quick. You know, it's only been a couple of years, uh, not even a couple of years. You know? Yeah, well, thank you. I really, I really appreciate it. It's really, it's been, it's been really amazing and strange. I mean, the, the Internet, it just blows my mind. It's just it's unbelievable, the opportunity, and it's, like, scary and weird and amazing and wonderful and everything kind of, like, all wrapped up at one day, you know? Like, right. okay, so, for example, you and I have that conversation. I say I want to write a book. You know, it's not like I had some sort of, you know, proposal drafted or something. It, it's just sort of something I've kind of always wanted to do, whether it's a kid's book that I illustrate or something, you know? And then... Um, Shortly after that, and I'm fairly certain they did not listen to the podcast, but an acquisitions editor at Northlight Books contacted me, and maybe she was the one that saw saw my little intro on a um, whip up, which led her to my website, which had sort of a gallery of my work, and it all goes hand in hand. I mean, you, you, if you lead someone to your door, you gotta you gotta have a nice looking place, right? Right. <laughs> you know, when they get to you, to, right. to like you know, show that you're professional and that you have a clean, you know, nice design website, et cetera. And so then she just sent me an email saying, um, you know, your, your work looks to be of the highest quality and, I don't know, some other things about liking the look of it. And have you ever thought about writing a book? I was like, have I? I mean, I was like <laughs> doing the happy dance, you know, because I saw, you know, that her byline was that she was an acquisitions editor, and I just was like beside myself. To make a really long story short, and we had some correspondence, and they sort of helped me pull together a proposal. It was not very formal by any means. I mean, what I submitted would not be something that you would give to someone without having them. <clears throat> ask you for it first, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, it was different than if you were shopping a proposal around to various publishing houses. Right, because yeah. they had already expressed their interest that they were sort of like willing to meet me halfway with um, kind of filling in the blanks right, the proposal. Right. So in that regard, I was really lucky. So I, you know, made up 
sort of a concept of, you know, well, it would be felted wool projects that are all made from recycled sweaters. And I had like a rough project list, you know, some things for the home, some things for kids, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of roughed out a list and, and sort of a, an approach for, you know, the concept of the book. And then they have a pub board and they pitched it to the pub board and, and it passed. So that was really exciting, and but it was sort of like, I got a book deal. What does that mean? You know, right, right. <laughs> and so I was really, you know, doing the old like asking anyone that knows anyone that knows anyone in the publishing industry, you know, what do I do now? Because I really have no background in that and really knew no one and didn't know if I needed an agent or not. And and I actually referred to some of your old podcasts with um like Leah Kramer mm-hmm. and um you know, kind of scouring any little bit of information I could find that, that would tell me what to do. <laughs> so, um, so, what did, so, so how quickly, I, if I can interrupt for a second, I'd oh, like sure. to know, okay, so you did the podcast interview where you declared to the world, you know, you have this, and, and, and then you kind of, you know, you're starting to get more traffic to your blog, and, and this picks up, and then this, this publication, or the acquisition editor finds you. How quickly, between the time she asked you, the, this, you get this fabulous email basically saying, um, do you want all your dreams to come true, <laughs> you know, and um, you respond, yes, of course. Um, how quickly did you have to then map out your book? Because you, it sounded like you didn't have it mapped out really before that. No, yeah, um, well, it was, okay, so I talked to you, you know, I think you put the podcast up, like, beginning of July, yeah. and then I think she contacted me, like, late July. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was really shortly after that. It was freaky. And then, um, oh, I can't remember exactly when she pitched it. You know what? I think she pitched it in, like, September. So over the summer, I just, you know, it was over the next couple of weeks, I sort of, we had a little back and forth, and, and then she pitched it, and then... Um, so yeah, it came. It it happened really fast because then um, I had to start. I had to like really crank out the projects because the way it works, and I I had no idea. And I think actually it's probably different for a lot of different publishers because the more I talk to people, the more I find out the process is different. But in my scenario, I had to do um, all the projects first, and then I did all the writing. So, you know, I had this project list, and I just had to, like, design them and make them and crank them out and get that because the photography happens really early in the process. And, you know, so the photography is done, and then the book design is done, and, you know, then you're writing everything about, like, the project the project introductions and the technique section and the introduction and, you know, all the word parts of the book. You know? So you had to hurry up, and how long did you have to make all the projects? Um... Well, I had some, see, the thing is, you know the thing I said about saying yes to everything? (laughs) (laughs) See, I have a little problem with that. (laughs) I had said yes to a couple other really big things sort of in, like, as this all was happening. And um, somewhere along the way, I was, this is actually kind of an interesting little, um, what do you call it? Um, interesting story about, you know, some little some little thing that you think is insignificant tying in and becoming something. Um, I had been contacted somewhere along the way. So so over that summer, you know, I um, was putting this book concept together and, and knowing that all through the fall um, I was going to have to get these projects done and then they were going to be photographed, like, in January. Mm-hmm. So this last January. So... Um, so, you know, I kind of had that mapped out ahead of me. Meanwhile, I had gotten um, contacted by um, Country Living Magazine, and it just so happened that one of the editors was in Madison, Wisconsin, where I used to live, um, and happened to be in this little shop, the one shop in the whole town, in the whole state that I happened to have some of my work, and um, and had bought this, you know, so this editor from New York happened to be in Madison, and bought the cupcake pincushion and then gave it to a different editor at work who loved it and then contacted me and invited me to participate in the Country Living Fair, which is was this four-day um, fair in October in Chicago Botanical Gardens. And I had never done a fair that big. I had only done two, you know, pretty small um, craft fairs in Minneapolis and this was, you know, four days, four days of inventory, you oh, know. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's and, a lot I of mean, inventory. I mean, it was huge. And um, I'm used to, like, the $50 table, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but I thought, 
you know, this is this is really big. And so I had this this moment of, okay, there's the book and there's the Country Living Fair. Like I don't know if I could do both. I mean, they're both huge. Like think of the amount of inventory to create for four days. You know? Yeah, that sounds almost impossible to me. Yeah, and I had to have, um, you know, I have kids, so I had to have my parents who live in Connecticut you know, come and watch my kids while my husband and I, because I couldn't do this show by myself because it was so huge, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, man, and it was it was, it was was amazing, and it was a really good thing, and I was really glad that I did it. But I always joke that, um, that aside from giving birth to my children, it was the most tired I had ever been in my life. <laughs> like when we were driving down to Chicago, to the, to the fair, I was just like beside myself with exhaustion. I was just, uh, so, um, but it was, you know, it was really exciting and it was great to meet all the editors and everything. And, and, um, and, and so, so that took a huge chunk of time in the fall that I really should have been like working on projects for the book. Right. Cause how so, much inventory do you bring to a four day sale? I mean, how many cupcakes are we talking? Oh, I think, <laughs> I think I had like. 80 and 50 or something I mean and, and I was worried that wasn't going to be enough and you know there was sort of a slow day and I think I was I think I, I was actually lucky that it was slow yeah <laughs> um on one of the days and I had other work too I had scarves and journals and pillows and baby blankets I had a lot a lot of stuff um so that was a huge huge learning experience I you know had gotten um the whole like credit card capability, you know, to take credit, to take charge cards and, um, you know, really worked on my packaging and my display. I mean, it was like, it was the whole shebang. So, so that was a really good experience, exhausting as it was. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward almost, almost a year this, um, to pa- this past August that they featured me like a one page, uh, one page profile in um, the August, August, August 07 issue. So, um, so it took a year, but I was like, yeah, the <laughs> it, it paid, paid off. off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The magazine schedule, the production schedule is like, you know, you, you do something and then it doesn't appear for a while. So, so you did get a payoff from that. You know, I did, I did. So, so, so that was overlapping. I know my story is kind of all convoluted here, no, but that so, was sort of, no, sorry. so, so basically you, you got, you see, you had this show experience and you, Return home to the reality of the fact that you got to you got to kick out some more projects for your book. I mean, how um, stressful was that to try and make your deadline? It was very stressful. I was turning in, um, and it was all self-imposed, of course. I was turning in ten, let's see, ten projects a month for three months, oh, and wow. so that means I was, you know, like I would say on my project list. Um, pillow (laughs) it didn't say like breakfast in bed pillow with you know bacon and eggs and I mean I just had like really some of them were a little more specific or I had like knitting needle case or something like that you know but I didn't really have each project designed you know so I was like thrifting like a mad woman you know sweaters piled up all over you know my studio and deciding on you know what I was going to design and and then actually like prototyping it because a lot of things I didn't just say like well let's see a knitting needle case is you know 16 by 18 or whatever and I didn't just make one and it looked pretty you know I made everything many times and then um you know made the final one and um and then moved on and did the next thing and did the next thing and you know so um and I, I had a concern. I thought, my gosh, am I just cranking these things out because, you know, this is this is my book. I mean, I want everything to be, like, I want to be a page turner. I want everything to be fabulous, you know. And I, right, I got right. really scared that I was just trying to get it done. So I had a, yeah, a couple of meltdowns in there. But <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody who's written a book. I mean, seriously, I haven't talked to anybody who's written a book who has not had that point where they're like, what the hell did I get myself into? Because <laughs> you know? I think we all, those of us who have, who have not written a book, have this fascination like, wow, if only I wrote a book. And apparently you made your deadline since I have a copy of the book sitting here next to me. <laughs> and it looks great, you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes, I made the deadline. How close did you cut it? I think I was pretty much on time. They had a photo shoot scheduled in January that, you know, everything had to be done by. Yeah. And, and the nature of the way the F&W does their craft books 
it's really an amazing thing, but an added challenge is the step-by-step photography of right. each of the projects. Right. So, and, and because all my materials are recycled, it was extra extra bonus challenge. Oh, because yeah, because you can't, like, get an extra sweater in the same green. That must have been really hard. Yeah, it was because, okay, so say, you know, I'm making, like, the messenger bag or something, so I decide, you know, this purple sweater with the red trim is going to be the messenger bag. So I make it, and this is the final one, but now I have to make the one for the step-by-step photography. So after I finished all the projects, I tried to do them as I made the projects, but then when I was running out of time, I left them all for the end because I just couldn't, I wasn't going to get them done. So I had to prep parts to make at least two to three more. Oh, goodness. Because, you know, you're not going to sit there at the photo shoot and sew an entire messenger bag. You know, (laughs) it's going to be like... (laughs) <laughs> These are the cut pieces you sew the sides to the back or whatever. Right, and then, right. then the next one you're sewing the sides in the back to the front. And then you're attaching the strap and the flap or whatever. And so you want to have components pre-assembled that make sense. So I did all these little, like, thumbnail drawings of the steps and, you know, wrote out the steps. And then so when I went there for the photo shoot, it was like, okay, now we're going to do now we're gonna do the messenger bag. And so, you know, I would sort of, like, pose with, you know, the front and the back, like in, in half sew the seam, click, take a picture. Okay, skip to the next one that I've already assembled to, you know, the next point. So there was a lot of preparation before that photo shoot to make sure that I had everything. And and actually, in the end, I'm really happy that, for the most part, I did use different color combinations um, for the step-by-step photography because I think it really shows It'll hopefully show people another color combination, another way that they can do it. And obviously, you know, when the person reading my book goes out and buys some sweaters to make the messenger bag, they're not going to find the purple sweater with the red trim. They're going to find, you know, the turquoise one with the green stripe or whatever it is. So so it kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, and and I think a lot of times people, that's one of the difficulties people have when they pick up a craft book and they're, they're thinking, okay, I have to do it in purple. You know, or I have to do it. You know, I, I think a lot of times, so this may, might help liberate people and get them to just go out and, and kind of just find see variety and realize, too, that you don't have to do the project in the exact same sweater that Butts did because that's going to be almost impossible, you know, right, to find right. the exact same thing. So it sounds like you survived the, fi- the photo shoot then. And uh, Yes, <laughs> I was just involved in the step-by-step photography, and then and then the publisher handled the, the so-called beauty shots and the book design and, and uh, you know, all that. There's so much, you know, when you're, when you're kind of a control freak, <laughs> there's so much in the book development process that you don't control. And uh, it's really enlightening, you know. I mean, there's, I think actually Yarn Harlot, I don't know if you ever read her blog, but yeah. she's, mm-hmm. she recently just posted a couple of really great posts about publishing and sort of the phases and what you have control over and what you don't, you know, like, basic things like, you know, the cover and the title, like no control. Like, yeah, you're the author and your name's on it, but, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> you know, so. It's quite shocking to a lot of people. I know in journalism, people think that I write all the headlines that go with my stories. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't have any control of the headline. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any control at all. And um, I mean, now in the feature section, I have a little more input, but in the news section, I got in trouble all the time with sources because, like, what was up with that headline? I'm like, look, I didn't write it. I had nothing to do with it, you know. <laughs> so in book publishing, it doesn't surprise me at all that the author's not picking the title. But, but yeah, I can see where that would be quite a shocker, you know, to, to folks when they're thinking, oh, this is what I'd like to call it. And they're like, no, actually, this is what we're going to call it. <laughs> right. So, so how much input did you have in the title of your book? Um, I had some. I mean, I certainly, you know, they are very friendly and flexible and open to suggestions and really easy to work with. And so from that regard, I felt lucky. But at the end of the day, it's still, you know, they're putting all these dollars behind me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just one little person in this big, you know, book thing. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and like you think, yeah, well, hey, I'm the author, it's my name on it, but really it's, you know, it's paying a lot of people's salaries and, you know, there's a lot of people are involved in making a book. And right. I don't know anything about publishing. They're the sales people and industry people. So I definitely submitted ideas, but it did change from the initial title and Warm Fuzzies is actually one of my suggestions. It wasn't my ultimate 
favorite one that I wanted, but I felt really happy that they did look at my list, and it was one of the ones on the list. And, and it's the kind of thing, it's kind of like naming one of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you have a baby and you name it, it's like you're not sure, really. I mean, at least that's how I felt, like, because you don't know the baby yet. But now right. that I know the book and it's always had that name now, it's just like it totally fits, you know. Yeah. So I'm completely, you know at peace with the title. Well, that's great. That's great. Now, did you work with an agent? I did. And my opinion on that is it's, I have, I have an analogy for everything, basically. <laughs> Naming the books like having a baby and, <laughs> and having an agent is like working with a real estate agent versus like for sale by owner, you know, right, right. like it kind of depends on the type of person you are. And I am not like a barterer, you know, I don't like take joy in the deal. I'm you know, too nervous and worried about things <laughs> to be like that. So I decided that, um, you know, I'm the kind of person that, that needs someone looking out for me, especially because I know nothing about the publishing, publishing industry. Well, I know a little bit now, but so I actually, aside from your interview, I had read an interview with Leah Kramer of Craftster, and she had said she worked with um, Full Circle Literary, mm-hmm. and so that's who I contacted, and I figured, hey, they do craft books. You know, and I recognized a few names of who they represented. And then after I spoke with them, I felt comfortable and et cetera, et cetera. And in hindsight, 18 months later, whatever, I'm totally, completely happy because any question I had, any worry I had, any step of the way, I could, like, screen everything through the agent. Right. Like, they're telling me, you know. (laughs) I don't get to pick the title. What's up with that? And then she could say, you know, well, that's just how it is. That's how publishing is, you know. And it saved me a lot of, you know, um, not temper tantrums, but, you know. Well, so you're not on the phone sounding very shrill with the publisher. You could sound, you could be on the phone sounding very shrill with with your agent and they could talk you down, you know, kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. So it's kind of like, yeah, having kind of a friend in the whole situation here. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, you had a deal before you had an agent. Is that accurate or I know how lucky was she (laughs) so it sounds like in your case since you had a deal I mean did it make it pretty easy I mean did they say to you oh of course yeah we'll take you on you know or yeah I mean I think you know of course they they had less work to do you know I mean they didn't have to they didn't have to try to convince anybody because they were already convinced so from that regard it wasn't a problem finding an agent Mm -hmm. but I think also this is an agency that represents people that do craft books so it's not like there was a hurdle there with, with the genre. So. Right, right. So, and I'm assuming that book deal really helps, too. When you're saying, I'm looking for an agent, and I have a, a publisher waiting to publish my yeah. book. I mean, I'm sure that makes kind of, you kind of get to go to the front of the line a little bit, I'm thinking. Yeah, but, um, well, and I felt a little like, is it too late, you know? Is, and I was worried that it was too late. And, um, well, how far you know, had you signed any contract with the publisher by that point? No, no, they were actually, um, you know getting ready to send me one so I I sort of was worried that it would look weird or bad or dishonest or I don't know wrong in some way and uh, I did I spoke to like a friend of a friend of a friend who you know was in some kind of publishing yeah (laughs) and uh, his opinion was you know just uh, to go he he advised me to to go with an agent and to not worry about not worry about the publisher. So So the agent stepped in before you signed a contract. Right. And then they could kind of be the, did you still have direct contact with your publisher or was it more through the agent then? Um, no, I still had contact. I mean, that was, it was, they served for like the business portion of it really, mm-hmm. you know, and then I still, you know, had the relationship with my editor, you know, as far as deadlines and content and all that kind of so stuff, it just kind of so. took the business side of it out of the equation for you, which actually probably made things, I don't know, I mean, I think I'd feel a little more comfortable to know that I wasn't the one talking about dollars and cents directly with the same person I'm going to be working with, you know, on the project. You know, I don't, I don't know, was that easier for you then to have someone else handle that? Yeah, and, and you know, the it, it was, it was. I, I definitely, like I said, you know, it kind of depends on the sort of person you are if you really get into that, you know, bargaining dealing and dealing yeah for an extra five bucks or something you know per project or (laughs) yeah yeah so people are curious about say well you know if I get an agent take such a chunk out of the profits and like you know what what people are paid for book deals and and I of course don't want you to go into anything you're uncomfortable talking about I mean do you think you would have made a great deal more 
or is it because I've heard a lot of people say actually it boils down to about the same amount because the agent might be able to get you more money and then they take their fee where you wouldn't have got the the same lump sum if you went on your own I mean do you have any idea like how that would have shook out for you I mean I don't know what your perspective on that is well, it's hard to really know, you know. I mean, you, you choose your path, and it is what it is, and it's hard to really know what it would have been like if you hadn't gone that way. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, if if she got me more and, and then by having her, like, <laughs> soaked up the excess or whatever, you know what I mean, if I broke even, I would still rather have her on my side you know what I'm saying? It makes total sense. Cause because you... she's worth everything she's getting, you know what I mean? Right. And, and, you know, I think you should never have to pay someone to publish your book, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, weird, I've, in all my, like, Google research, you know, there's, there are shifty things out there that where you should never have to pay to get your book published. Like, I didn't have to pay the agent anything. She gets money. You know, she gets a, a percentage of what I get. That's the thing about, I mean, it's such, a, it's a whole new ball game. And I think when you're coming from like uh, fiber, you know, and, fe- and felt and yarn and fabric, and then suddenly you have to, you know, be looking at a contract and figuring, negotiating your way. I can see where this could be quite a jarring experience too. While it's exciting, it's kind of like, oh wow, there's a lot I don't know about this. So right, um, right, and it is, you know, it is a lot, a lot, a lot of work, and you know, you want to make sure that it's worth your time and your, you know, it's, it's a labor of love and you don't want to have anything sort of ruin it. Is this something that you want to continue doing? Do you want to continue doing books? Well, you know, it's funny because I can't remember if we talked about this before, but I'm always kind of looking for like what suits me and my personality as far as like how I want to spend my day. You know, right. like I love making stuff, but I don't really like making the same thing over and over again, right. which, you know, you might find hard to believe considering that I've made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cupcake pin cushions. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you got to give the people what they want. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> you know, one of, my, one of my things was, oh, craft books, this is a great idea. I'm a designer. I love to do, you know, like solve a problem, you know, like have an idea, prototype it, work it out, here it is, and then sell the design, like the way that a craft book works. Right. So, you know, so here I do this one book, and now all of a sudden I'm like, that's going to be my career. I'm going to be a craft book author. And then my agent, who knows, you know, the publishing industry, says, you know, there there really isn't such a thing as, as like a career craft book author. It's not sort of like the end of the story. It's always... Things are always supported with other things, you know, like you have your line of, of artwork that goes with the book or you, you do art fairs or you do, I mean, there's, you do workshops. Um, there's other things that people do alongside books typically to make a living. You right, because there's this grand illusion that these craft books pay like just tons of money. And I think that's another thing I've learned from the folks I've interviewed is that that's really not the case. And Right, right. Yeah, I can't just, you know, like drop drop the line of, of stuff that I'm doing. Not that I wanted to, but I was sort of thinking, you know, well, what is the next phase for, you know, my felted artwork that I'm, that I'm selling? You know, like, do I do some kind of, I mean, the demand was growing, and do I go into some kind of mass production mode? Do I hire people to help me? You know, do I just keep, you know, acquiring more and more wholesale accounts? What does that look like? Is that what's going to make me happy? You know, I would, I would talk to different people, and they'd say, oh, you could get your work into this store, into that store, and I thought, mm, why is that not, like, making me excited? You know, right, like, why am right. I not going, yay, I'm in 50 stores or whatever, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, because I don't want to keep making, I want to make new things, and, and I don't know. So, as I said about not really having a master plan, my thing I always say is um, it's all runway. Like, yeah, I'm not making very much money on this book, but it's runway. It's like, I haven't quite, the plane hasn't taken off yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, I'm like right. going faster and faster, but I, I'm not quite flying yet. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all adding up to something grand, I'm sure, but I just don't know what this is. Yet. Did you have the book deal in place by the time you got on the Martha show? Oh yeah, the book was like done by the time. <laughs> yeah, so that that's really funny because okay, so you know the photo shoot for the step by step stuff for the book was in January, and then it, then it took a whole year you know that was last January and the book just came out this past December Mm -hmm. so basically like the photography 
for the steps was done in January, and then my manuscript deadline, which was like writing everything, due in March. And so then from March on, you know, they did the beauty shots and the editing and the book design, and then shipped it off to get printed, and then and then it came out in December. But um, so meanwhile, are you ready to talk about Martha now? Is that what well, I'm ready to talk about. I think how did you get from? Okay, so you after you finished your work on the book, obviously you kept it living and existing and making art in that time period. Were you still like trying to get your stuff in magazines, or I mean, what what were you doing that led to the Martha experience? Well, you know, it is really hard, like, as a blogger that's, you know, doing projects and posting them all the time to all of a sudden kind of, like, go undercover to do your book. Right. And, you know, you can talk about that you're working on a book, but you can't show any of the projects. And, you know, if you're really into, like, something and you're really inspired by it and then you have to, like, keep it a secret... And plus, like, maintain content on the blog, I found that really challenging. You know, I don't have any cats or dogs or anything to take pictures of the right, post. just put, like, a nice <laughs> picture of your cat. Right. That would have been really handy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, here's the bowl of cereal I ate this morning. You know, I mean, I just, like, <laughs> so you got to sort of, you know, keep the, you got to, you know, I felt like anyone that was interested that was reading anything I was doing, I really wanted to make sure that I was still offering the occasional tutorial and, and things like that. So I sort of kept, you know, as much as I could, interest going there. And then, you know, whatever sort of like PR things kind of came along. And then, let's see, I'm trying to think what happened. The, the Martha thing, it was like basically a year ago. Just, I think they might have been, like I said, looking at Whip Up or something. And I had just posted that I was finishing up my my projects for the photo shoot, I think is what I had just posted on my blog. Um, and I was about to about to go to Cincinnati to, to shoot that. And I had gotten an email and it was it was like late at night and it said in all capital letters in the subject line, Martha Stewart television opportunity. And <laughs> And did you pass out? I mean seriously. Well, I... Or you I, thought it was a spam mail or something? I totally thought it was spam, because first of all, it was all in capital letters. And second of all, please don't kill me, anyone at Martha, for saying this, but there was a typo in it. It was like, you know, it was late at night, they're overworked, I don't know. They wrote it fast, and there was a typo. So the fact that there was a typo, and it was all caps, and it was too good to be true, was like, you know, what the heck is this? You know, something my, my brother sent to tease me or, you know. Right, right. So I open it up and it says, you know, saw your work, love it, would like to speak to you about, you know, being on the show or something like that. And I was like, what? I, was just, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And, you know, there was like an actual name and it said the Martha Show and there was a phone number and I was like, okay. So I could not wait, you know, to the next day to call this person. So I talked to them, and, and uh, they wanted to do the cupcake pin cushion. It's so funny. It's like, you know, as much as sometimes I feel like I'm a slave to the cupcake pin cushion, it's like I cannot tell you how many doors that has opened for me. I mean, mm-hmm. just never know what is going to resonate with people, you know. Right, right. It's crazy. So anyway. She was enamored with that, and then I, after some, like, talking with the publisher and such, decided that I, I shouldn't or couldn't do that project on her show because not only was it in the book, it was planned on being on the cover of the book, and everything that's on a show like Martha's, um, whether it's, like, the recipe for the chicken pot pie that she made or the directions on how to make the craft, it's essentially published on the website right. after the show. Right. And so I couldn't have the instructions published on her website because they were going to be published in this book, you know? Exactly. So I said, well, I can't do the cupcake, but I have this other one that's like a little teacup. It's, you know, the Cup of Joe pin cushion, and it's similar and it's cute, but it's not in the book. So I could, I could do that one. So that's, that became the one that I was going to do on the show. So. And when was this again? About when? Uh, this was in January. January, okay. And okay. so there was a little bit of back and forth with, with the producer, um, you know, send me something right away. A lot of, like, you know, running around, gathering things, sending them off, just crazy, crazy, you know. And, and also I was, like, totally fried at the end of the book thing, and they weren't sure when they were going to have me come. And I said, well, I'm going to be in Cincinnati for a week doing this photo shoot. And so, um, so it turns out that they wanted me to do that project and I had this, like, basically I flew to Cincinnati, did this photo shoot for a week straight, 
flew home on Saturday, flew to New York on Sunday, and then, like, you know, went to the studio and, and did the show. Like, went to the studio on Monday, shot the show on Tuesday. So I had, like, no time. You know, meanwhile, I was, like, preparing all the step-outs for the photography that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. you know, like the three versions of the messenger bag. <laughs> right, you know? right. So I was doing all that. And then for television, you do the same thing. You know, like, here's the finished teacup. Here's the parts for the teacup. Here's the teacup half-assembled. Here's mine. Here's the one Martha's going to assemble. You know, so you've got, you know multiple versions of everything for that as well so i don't know i think like the 24 was i home 24 hours anyway um (laughs) you know half the time i was like whipping together the thing for the thing for the martha show so so then i flew out and i went to the studio on monday and their staff was like super cool and friendly and you know there was no like you know big city design snob action at all I mean it was just really like great people super helpful like you know going through the project in the steps and making sure that everything was logical you know Um, it was really fun to see you know the behind the scenes in like the big mother of all craft rooms oh yeah (laughs) I've heard about that craft room yeah 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 so that was that was really neat to see that and then of course um, the set, and so we went out on the set, and you know, one of the producers stood there at the table and said, "Okay, now I'll be Martha, and you be you." Okay, now. What? Okay, and it, it, really, they do that. They say, "I'll be Martha, and you be you." That would crack me up. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know it did. So, well, it was like you know, the first day, you know, the Monday <laughs> I went there, and we and we like you know went through all the steps and made sure the materials were were prepped in there, and it was ag- agreed upon like. You know, you will get from point A to point B before the commercial, and then after the commercial, we'll go B to C. And the whole time, they keep stressing, you got to keep Martha on task. Like, you know, we won't put out the stuff that we're going to do after the commercial. We'll keep that hidden under the table until after the commercial, because if she sees, you know, those little doodads, she'll want to touch them and talk about those, and we don't want to go, you know, it's like uh. <laughs> there's like this certain amount of time, and, you know, and everyone, I know it's really funny, everyone is very respectful. I mean, everyone just, you know, thinks the world of her, and but is conscientious of how she likes things and and the way things should be, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a certain way things should be. <laughs> and, you know, the glue, Martha likes this glue, and she likes the tip of hers open this much, and, you know. Oh, it really? Just, it's that precise? Yeah, like, oh, this one's for Martha. You know, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll have my glue over here, you know. And, um... So, you know, I mean, and I would imagine if you're going to be on TV, you want your glue to, you know, flow the way you think it's going to flow. <laughs> uh, yeah, know? yeah. I mean, otherwise, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. So you um, did not meet, do you meet her at all beforehand, or did, did you just meet her live on camera? I met her, like, 30 seconds before the camera turned on. Really? Yeah, so you did all the, you know, the prep, and then there was, like, the, I'll be Martha, and we'll do, like, the quick practice thing, and they had, like, the cameraman sort of, like, uh, like do a little test thing and that my heart started racing a little bit like oh my god this is real you know <laughs> this is actually going to be a camera you know I mean it was just and there's a uh, studio audience there too when you t- when you actually tape it right yeah you know the thing yeah. that I had to, to come to terms with is I had to really get in my head that I was showing Martha like it was okay to look at the audience and to acknowledge that there was an audience but I was not like projecting my voice and showing the audience this is how you make this thing, which that's what I'm used to doing. You know, I'm used to, like, giving presentations, you know, at my former job and, like, doing workshops where I would stand up and, like, tell the group, like, so how to do something. So then you're telling Martha. I'm telling Martha. Yeah, yeah, I'm her guest. I'm showing her, you know. So I had to really, like, okay, I'm telling Martha. You know? <laughs> and i got to make gotta sure focus. I grab my glue and not hers, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... So anyway, you know, there was the whole, like, backstage thing the morning of, and, you know, you have, like, a little dressing room, and there's a TV back there, so you can watch sort of the first part of the show. And, you know, it's live in front of a live audience, and some of the days they they tape it live, which is they air it as they're, as they're taping it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other days they actually, like, tape it and then air it on a different day. And so I was actually there on a taped day. Okay. And, and um, which somehow psychologically, I think, made me feel better that, you know, if something went really bad, they could always cut it off. Like, if you blacked but, out and cut your forehead on the tape craft table, then <laughs> right. they could maybe, you know, 
cut out the whole EMS situation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. Well, but but the, at the same time, though, because there's a studio audience, they still keep the exact same pace as if it's live. Okay. You know? Right. Like, now's the commercial, and instead of, like, an actual commercial going, there's just you know, three minutes or wh- however long it is, and they move from, like, the kitchen part of the set to the craft part of the set. I see. And, and then there's, like, an audience guy that, like, gets everyone riled up and applauding and whatever. So anyway, yeah, so I'm in the back, and they're, like, giving me the microphone and jamming it down the back of my pants and, you know, threading <laughs> the wires through my shirt. <laughs> you know, all the things that make you feel really relaxed. And um, then they had, like, the hair and makeup people, which, you know, that's always kind of, like, exciting to like oh, wow I'm gonna have hair and makeup and and uh so so then it was time to go out and you know I had seen Martha from afar like in her office you know when you're sort of backstage walking around I, I saw her but and I asked if I could meet her and and it just didn't work out you know and so it was time to go out and so I'm waiting like at the stage door at the side of the of the set and I got really really nervous like the kind of nervous where you're like, oh, I better bend my knees. Oh. <laughs> and I was oh, getting no. kind of hot and cold at yeah, the same time. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so, but as soon as the door opened and I walked out there and I said, hi, Martha, and she shook my hand and I, like, looked at the table and all my stuff, at this pincushion that I've made a hundred times, you know, and it was like, oh, I could totally do this, you know. Right. And I was still nervous that she was going to ask me something that I – and I would freeze and I wouldn't like know what to say or something. And, but they had drilled into my head, you know, like you have this much time, you need to get from here to here, commercial, and then here to here. And so that was just my goal was get through the project, don't make an idiot out of yourself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if I can do those two things, everything will be fine. Right. So, so basically I feel like I accomplished that goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I did see it, and I thought you did great. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank so, you. I was, you know, afterwards, well, and it was totally like, um, uh, I don't know if you experienced this when you got married, but, like, I remembered nothing. Like, afterwards, it was like. Oh, yeah, I had that experience Woo, when that I was, that was That was great. That was, what the heck happened? I don't even remember. Right. You know? And so I had really a hard time remembering what happened. I was just so happy, you know, and relieved. It was over, and I felt like it went well. And, you know, it all came back to me, of course, later when I watched it. And um, I was disappointed that I didn't say my website and I didn't say that I was doing a book. But they could not, they would not and they could not really show the book because it was almost a whole year before it was going to come out. Right. And they didn't want, you know, people to be calling the studio and saying hey where's your book or how can I yeah. get a book right right <laughs> yeah so I was like I'm gonna come on again I'd have to when the book comes out so. and you did weren't you your your project was on there today right yeah it was on there today and uh and no, I, I didn't got to see watch... it yet I have it TiVo'd I haven't didn't have time to see it up before I did this interview but did you have it arranged to come back on or how did that um I had kept in contact with one of the producers and I um had every once in a while I would send her a project yeah. Hey, I made these. What do you think? You know. So I just wanted to like keep that open because as much as like, like I did it once, it was really fun, and I would do it again for the book. But you know, I'm not really a TV person, and I really, you know, I feel like why tempt, <laughs> why tempt the fates to screw it up <laughs> next time? You know? Right. So, so this time, was Martha really... just did your project. Then you didn't. You weren't there. Right, yeah. Right. It was like the best of both worlds. I sat on the couch drinking a cup of coffee and watched her make my project. And did she do, did she do well? Did she do a good she job? She did a good job, yes, yeah. she did. And she, she mentioned the book, and they showed the cover, and then they gave a copy of it to each member of the audience. Oh, so. well, how exciting is that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. That was really cool. So I have absolutely no complaints about how it went today. It was, it was really good. So, so mission accomplished. What was it like to meet Martha? I mean, did you really get to chat, or was it just really the TV thing that you were doing together, and then that was it? Well, it was it was just seconds, really, because basically, you know, I walked up, I shook her hand, and said hello. She was she's quite tall. I don't know how tall she is, but I'm five six, and she was at least five inches taller than me. She's probably six feet tall. You know, we just I mean, whatever you saw in the video is pretty much like my interaction with her. And then after she, I had even though we didn't. 
um, show how to make the cupcake pin cushions. They were sitting there on a cake stand as, you know, props. Mm-hmm. And so she said, well, first she, she wanted to stand there and finish the um, cup of joe pin cushion. And um, cause you, so you could tell she really liked it because she wanted to finish it. So she's like, I want to finish this one, and, and I want to keep it. And can I keep that one, too? And I'm like, heck, yeah, you can keep whatever you want. <laughs> You're Martha too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, she said, can I have a cupcake pincushion, too? And I said, yes. And so she, you know, looked through them all to sort of, like, coordinate which one she was going to have with the cup of joes. And, you know, so, so that was nice. And then there was a photographer that came up and took a shot. I, I, I'm guessing they do this, you know, after every guest of Martha and I together. So I have this photograph that they sent me later of Martha holding the cupcake and me holding the cup of joe. I don't know, the PR photo or whatever, but I have one. And then <laughs> I sent a copy to my parents, and who, of course, are just like so, so proud of me and so excited about the whole thing. And, you know, it's, it's, something, it's something that means something to them and they can, you know, talk about and people know who Martha Stewart is, so it's very exciting. Anyway, the last time I was home, they, they live in Connecticut, I was over, you know, summer vacation, and I went to their house, and it's a long story, but they weren't there, and I, so we go into the house, and I look, and they had framed the picture, and it was sitting on the mantle in the family room. <laughs> <laughs> That's in Martha. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, like, is that, is that me in, in Martha, it, like, on the mantle? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I know. I just, it was just, it was really cute. It was kind of weird, but it was really cute. And well, I and, it. and it is a big deal. I mean, I mean, that, for them, that, I, that's got to be really cool for them to have uh, their daughter appear on the Martha Stewart show. So that's very cool. So looking back, I mean, it's been quite a whirlwind, but as you said, you feel like you're still building runway. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing leads to another. I'm working on my second book now, and I'm actually like, at the at the end of the project phase, and I've I've got a lot of writing to do. Is it the same more felted stuff, or what, what's your topic this time? No, this one is actually the tentative working title is called So Green S C W. It's definitely it's a different kind of book. It's a little more um, a little more lifestyle, and it's it's kind of environmentally conscious. Um, crafting, you know, sewing, and it's, you know, sustainable style using recycled organic, recycled materials and organic materials and, you know, repurposing. And I probably should have, I should probably be able to rattle off the description well, <laughs> a I little kinda, better. But. I mean, you're in the midst of it, and I understand this is probably one of the most hectic times when you're trying to make all the projects for your books. So that gives us enough to go on here. And when will, yeah, that, yeah. When will that be out? <laughs> that will be out spring 2009. Okay. And so are you working with the same publisher on this one? No, actually, this one's with um, Stuart Taborian Chang. Oh, excellent. Very cool. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a kind of a different approach. It's, um, it's supposed to be hardcover and just a lot more writing. There's going to be features, you know, that have to do with, uh, well, I don't want to go into too much detail, but green crafting features. <laughs> so there's going to be some more text to it than just the instructions on how to make the... Exactly. Okay. Yeah, there'll be projects in it, but there'll also be, you know, things about the community and different ways to get involved. In yeah, well, like that, and their so. books tend to have more narrative to them, so so that's a, kind of a different feel. So that's, right. that, well, that's really cool. So was this an idea that you shopped around, or did you get contacted after your first book? Or were you just started, did you get right back out there and try to get another book deal? No, we got right back out there. They, I just, you know, after the whole, like, Martha thing, it was like, you know, visibility's high and, you know, that's chalk that up to the agent, really. You know, she said, you know, it's not every month that you've been on Martha. Let's go. What's, what's your next book? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I didn't barely finish the first one, you know. Right. And she said, you know, you got any more ideas? And I said, yeah, I always have ideas. So I had a handful of ideas and, and you know, so it was a different animal this time because she was able to shop it around to different people versus, you know, the first time where I was approached. So, right. um, so it's, it's completely different this time. Did you do a book proposal for this book then, an actual proposal, as opposed to last time where you kind of worked with the publisher to develop the idea? Yeah, it was definitely definitely more of a, a proposal, a little, little more polished this time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's excellent. So you're working with Melanie Fallick over there? Yeah, 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 she's awesome. Yeah, I've had her on the show, too, so that's really fun. Well, oh, congratulations to you on your continued success. That's really, really cool. And I know you've shared so much of your experience, and I think this would be very enlightening for the folks out there that are building their own runways. Um, <laughs> I know. 
I think that's a great way to, to think of it because it really is, you know, you put one foot in front of the other and just keep on trucking. And is there anything that you'd like to say just about how your life has changed in the last two years? I mean, I'm sure you're still mom to your boys, <laughs> you know, they probably don't regard you as being a total rock star or do they? You know, uh, they kind of do. Yeah. I mean, well, not a rock star, of course, but, you know, they're um, six and eight, and, you know, they're old enough to, like, understand that I was on a show, you know, or that I was in the newspaper, and they, as you know, newspapers like to print, like, the names of your children when they write about you, and so they love seeing their names in the newspaper, you know. It's all about them, which is great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they're excited. So, That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't really have any, like, great words of wisdom except, you know, just keep at it and make yourself visible and just keep <laughs> keep on keeping on and be true to, you know, what you really, what you really think is your, is your thing, you know. And one thing that I get hung up on a lot is there are a lot of great blogs out there, a lot of, you know, I visit the really popular ones that get, you know, 50 comments a post and, and I see the way other people do things, and sometimes I get sucked into a trap of, well, gosh, look at their, you know, I don't know, PR page, or look at the way they've done such and such. Like, mine should be like that. I should do that. Not not to copy it, but, like, um, I need to be on top of things the way they are or, or whatever it is. And then I think, you know what, that doesn't mean it's right. I mean, the the beauty of what is going on out there right now is that, you do it your way. You do mm-hmm. it your way, and as long as it's, like, professional and it's got something to offer, you know what I mean? It's, it's good. Like, make it good in your way. You don't, you know, it's, it's good to have those other things sort of keep you on your toes and to, like, keep you aware of how other people do things, but don't beat yourself up. That's, that's I beat myself up way too much, so <laughs> I need to take my own advice and, and really just... Um, do it your way and believe in yourself. So. Well, I think that's just great advice to leave people with because you have to be authentic. Well, thank you so much, Bets. I really appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck. Of course, I don't really think you need it because I think you're, you're going strong, and um, <laughs> well, it's wonderful you. to see. Thanks, Bets, for coming back on Craft Sanity and giving us the inside scoop on your whirlwind of success and book deals and Martha Stewart, and all that good stuff. Also, congratulations to Bets on a very cool book called Warm Fuzzies. Now you're going to get a chance to win a copy of it. Just leave a comment on the blog under the podcast write-up about episode 68, and we'll get you into the drawing for a copy of Bets' new book. It includes 30 sweet felted projects, and there are some really cute ones in here. So just post a comment on the blog to get into the drawing, and uh, please copy that into an email and send it to me jennifer at craftsanity.com and please also include your mailing address in that okay and now to announce the winners of the contest that just ended on february 3rd we're giving away a copy of couture crochet workshop by lily chin she was last week's guest let's see stacy in montana so congratulations stacy a copy of lily chin's book will be coming to you very soon so i hope you enjoy it it's fabulous the week before the lily chin interview I interviewed Hillary Seabolt. She is the owner of Lily Bean, and she's right here in Grand Rapids. Hillary has donated a felt sandwich. She makes felt food, and she has donated a ham and cheese sandwich to a lucky listener. And that lucky listener is Terry in a location that I don't know at this time. Um, <laughs> I have no idea where Terry is. I have sent an email to the Terry who entered the contest, and I just need to get a response so I can send the fabulous felt sandwich to you. Congratulations. So I think that's it. Keep an eye on the blog, uh, craftsanity.com. I'm still blogging every day with uh, varying degrees of success. I'm always looking for things to post about. So if you write an interesting tutorial on your website and you think it might be of interest, send me links. As far as other things to let you know about, I decided to go out and get a P.O. box. I wanted to have an address, so if you are trying to promote something, uh, I don't know if you're a homegrown business or you're planning some event and you want to get word to me and it involves something where you want me to see a product or you want me to, um, if you want to just correspond with me the old-fashioned way, I'm open to that. This information is on the blog. I need to put a little button. I need to update my contact information but on February 1st I published a post 
Title, I Love Mail, which is the truth. And my P.O. Box address is on there, and it's just Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, Crap Sanity Podcast Producer, P.O. Box 888-192, Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49588. And, again, that's uh, P.O. Box 888-192, Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49588. So feel free to use it. If you want to send something you know personal to me or if you also want to uh, send something that's related to your craft business. You know, it's one of those things where I talk to kind of an unknown audience. Uh, I know people are listening. I get a lot of feedback. But, you know, I'm really interested in what you guys are making and what you're doing. And if you have interesting stories to share, I know I was trying to do this thing with handmade stories. I guess to borrow Bet's uh, <laughs> analogy, never quite got off the ground. Um, I did get one audio story out there i haven't abandoned the idea but i i just at this point i'm i'm that's kind of on hold right now but what i thought would be interesting is to if you do have a story to share of course you can always email me but i'm interested in corresponding by mail i want to get a fabric postcard swap going and then i will be following that up very quickly or maybe actually simultaneously i'm going to be organizing also a pen pal exchange and this is basically uh, inspired by my next podcast guest who wrote a book about letter writing. I think that's a wrap for this week. So you guys take care, and don't forget to craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit craftsanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.